Hello, you're listening to Recommendations for My Otaku Spouse or Otaku Susume. I'm Jen. And I'm Wesley. So let's get started. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Princess Principal, an original anime that came out at some point. Years ago. Years ago. I actually think this may have been another 2017 one. It came out when we were in the States, wasn't it? Yeah, so it must have been 2017, maybe. Because I remember we talked about it when we were talking about our favorite anime from that year. Well, and there I think you go. It, I think it was along the same year as uh, Recreations. Recreators. Recreators, yes. We already talked about that one, though. Yes, we did. And it was actually another anime that I was like, oh, I really enjoyed this because I watched it without you. And then I said, oh, no. hey, we should watch this. <laughs> what? I really enjoyed it because I watched it without you. No, I... I watched it without you, and I really enjoyed it, so I wanted you to see it too. That's not what you said, though. Well, that's what I meant. <laughs> a little bit of a Freudian slip there to start the episode. I enjoy most things without you. Rude. So anyway, so I made you watch this anime. <laughs> yes. Yes, you did. <laughs> um, so Princess Principal is a steampunk fantasy spy thriller? anime because it's not really a thriller but it's definitely about spies and it's Action very adventure. steampunk yeah where a group of young female spies are sent to go swap places with the princess I mean, and they say they're spies they say they're spies we'll get to that okay so they, they're sent to to swap places with the princess and instead they get her on their side and yes. so they're working together with the princess to take down the wall that is separating from the rest of the UK from the rest of the European, the British Empire. Kind of? Yeah. See, that's one of my beefs that I had with the show. Before we get too much into it. One of your race beefs? Yes. Hmm. They drop little tidbits of world building here and there, but it doesn't really make sense. Oh, no, it makes perfect sense as long as you don't look hard enough. <laughs> okay, so the princess that they're hanging out with is on the east side of the wall. Which mm. is... London. London. And the royalty. That's Ro that's yes. the royals. And the kingdom. And then the far side of the wall is... The rest of England. The colonies. Yes. No. No. The Commonwealth. The Commonwealth. Which would be the colonies. No. Okay, the Commonwealth was the colonies. Like, when people say nowadays the British Commonwealth, they're not referring to the island, they're referring to all the other well, islands that Britain used to own. However the translators decided to handle this, or however the Japanese decided to write it, they have the rest of the UK as the Commonwealth... And then you have the colonies, which is a part of the British Empire. But the but colonies not... are in support of the Commonwealth. Are they? That's the, that was the whole point of what we just saw. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. But the, but the colonies are supposed to be on the kingdom side. Supposed to be. Supposed to be, yeah. So that's what made me think that they were separate. Okay, then if you have all the colonies and the royalty and the biggest, fanciest Air Force the world's ever seen, which they tell you a couple of times during the show... Mm. Why don't they just take over the rest of their island? I don't know. What's stopping them? There was a revolution. That didn't get anywhere and yeah, had no, yeah, no backing. No, no. They, they build a wall. How? <laughs> Once again, the biggest air force is in control. The biggest, fanciest air force in a time when air forces didn't exist is in control of the royalists. You're looking too hard in this. Here's my other question. Okay. <laughs> now, this may come from the fact that I'm an American. And a massive history nerd. But... No, no. Ignore that part. Just, just okay. look at the American part right now. Ugh. Oh, no. <laughs> There's a big character, like the anti-spy character, because you always need 
the opposing intelligence whenever you have a spy thriller, right? You've got your spies, and then you've got the other side. Mm. And the other side in this is played by the Duke of Normandy, mm. who is palling around with the queen and acting as counterintelligence to the spies of the Commonwealth, mm. who are not the colonies. No, I think. And I'm very confused by this, and I think part of this might be because, again, it's written by the Japanese, who don't actually know what Europe is, but if he's the Duke of Normandy, he's French. And as an American, I would like to say that whenever anyone has beef with the crown, the French sides with the people against the crown, not the crown. <laughs> but And if, we do the same. But in this universe, the, the Brits have control of everything from the sounds of it. Like I mean, basically the entirety of Europe and a little bit of North Africa. Okay, yes, that's kind of how it was at the time anyway. This mm. is the late 1800s, and it looks like Queen Victoria, though not called Queen Victoria, is still alive, and the empire is still in full swing. Yes. Which, again, makes me very curious as to why the French wouldn't back something to topple the European, or to topple the English, if it meant that they could regain part of Europe. Because they're not French. They're British. I don't think he is. I know the impression I got was that the kingdom is just the entirety of Europe, and they are all... Well, that's not the map they showed, British. though. And if they control all of Europe, that makes it even more unlikely they can't just take over the rest of their island from people <laughs> who have no power. That wasn't the only issue that you had in terms of the history, though, was it? I mean, that was and on the a... world building. There's some weird, there's some weird bits going on with the Japanese, but I did like the fact that the show leaned into the fact that there's a view that foreigners have of Japan. Like foreigners love the whole weird Japan. Mm-hmm. It's why you know whenever someone comes to Japan and they go home with souvenirs you'll have oh i got tea oh i got this weird thing from a temple and oh look at these weird flavors of kit kats Mm. or your friend ben who went home with a straw hat yes or just the endless examples that people books even of english Mm. foreigners love the idea of weird japan and i think that when it showed the foreigners reacting to the japanese characters they captured that pretty well oh yeah so that was fine. And they also leaned into heavily um, the very stereotypical Japanese stuff that foreigners love. Yeah. Like uh, the Japanese character Chise, she makes, oh, what's it called? The pickled vegetables in the dorm room. And one of the oh. other characters is like, what the hell is that? That's disgusting. Yeah. And she does the miso, miso pickled ones. That's it. Yeah. And But on the flip side, her in, in a monologue is like, these foreigners are weird. They wear their shoes indoors and it stinks of feet all the time. Yeah. No. They, they go back that, and forth that, pretty well on that. Yeah, but that, that was really, 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 really well done. But then there's also the bit where Chise, the Japanese spy, is on loan from a Japanese diplomat who is approaching the empire on behalf of the, the emperor, not the, the show, emperor. the emperor. That's it, the emperor. Because he very clearly has to They separate that when he gets attacked by assassins from the shogunate and his own samurai fight them off, which was curious because part of the whole revolution was abolishing the samurai class but not necessarily in this universe see that's the thing with steampunk is it's our world but it's not and history tends to get kind of mixed up and changed quite a fair bit so i i give it creative leeway in that sense i don't understand how england hasn't reclaimed all of its island i give it creative leeway in that sense also the fact that the soldier who was part of the royalists had a welsh name so he was from the west side of the wall but he was somehow a royalist soldier well yeah they were saying that they were from the colonies 
Wales is on the island. That's not even from, you just said the colonies didn't support the Commonwealth. Wales is on the island, which would be part of the Commonwealth. Give it a little bit of creative liberties. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, I agree that clearly whoever whoever wrote this kind of knew what they were doing, but they didn't put enough research into does this make sense? They had a good time writing it. They had a really good time writing it. And you can tell. I can tell. I had a really good time watching it, which is why I watched it twice. Yes. But there are bits that don't make... Also, if the royalists have the Air Force and all the power, why was it that the West Side, which has none of that, was the only people who was able to miniaturize a caverite into a handheld flying device? Depends on what scientists you kidnap, right? I guess. I don't know. Because that was one of the first episodes was all about uh, scientists defecting. That's true. He didn't make it. Spoilers. <laughs> it's the first episode. <laughs> Which brings me to something else. Okay. That I took I, slight issue with. Yeah, I think I know what you're going to say. Was it the episodes? It was the episodes. Was it specifically the episode order? The episode order, yes. Or rather the name of the episodes? Yes. And in a couple of places, the order. Hmm. The episodes are titled as case files. Mm-hmm. And they are mostly, though not entirely, in chronological order. Then not in chronological order until the end. They're mostly in chronological order. Like if you were to generally look at them from start to finish, mm. it's kind of chronological with a couple of outliers. I think it starts with like case 19 and That's then jumps true. to case one. That's true. But I second. was actually okay with that. Okay. Because the one time I was okay with it was starting with the one it did where it starts with a crew all together. Mm. Because that's fun. You kind of start in media res with action going on. You have the team. And you get cool spy adventures. And I think mm. that's a great way to hook someone into watching the show. Oh, yeah. It was, it's a if, great first episode. If you episode. just started the show with this weird, not fully defined universe and what goes on to be the team getting together. Because that's how it starts. You get this cool action adventure, spy adventure with the full team in episode one. And then it goes back to say, oh, here's how we got the team together. Which I actually thought worked out really well. But then they decide to mix it up a couple of other times for no narrative sense and when you decide to screw with things chronologically with no narrative purpose that's when i start to question it it's not as bad as something like harui where they just took the episode numbers and chucked them into a blender and started randomly drawing well i think it's because harry's just bad yes anyway full stop agreed hmm. yes but i, I think i think it, even if it didn't serve anything to for the overarching plot because even though so it's it's typical anime where there's kind of a plot, but they don't want to delve too far into it because then it means if anybody misses an episode, then they'll miss out. Sucks to be them. So I can see, I mean, like most anime, the plot doesn't kick off until the end. There's, there's tendrils. Hints. There's tendrils moving yes. along with this whole weird east-west Berlin, sorry, east-west London going on. <laughs> Freudian slip there. Yes. But I, I don't think that's a bad thing that they moved it out of order. I think it worked well in terms of... I think they wanted to kind of create a balance between the types of stories you were getting. But it's an original anime. Mm. You can do that when you write it without having to screw with it in a narrative order. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was more artistic. I, I, it honestly didn't bother me at all. I didn't like it. <laughs> I don't I, like it. <laughs> I, no, in most of it, again, I didn't care. It's just if you're going to do... Here's the team. Now let's look at how they get together. And then as they're doing the four or five episodes or whatever to put the team together, they decided to drop another one in the middle of it being like, oh, here's the crew together again. But then they go back immediately and like, oh, wait, we forgot to introduce one of these characters. We still have to tell that episode. And mm. there's 
it's like a narrative hiccup. Mm. There's no point to it. It's just someone went, oh, shoot, we heard these out of order. Say it was on purpose. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> and if you want to make, have like a more action-filled episode in that time slot and then a slower one the week after or whatever, as I said, it's an original anime. You can write it that way. You're not beholden to anyone. I guess they have probably had good ideas for specific stories that they wanted to tell and so certain characters were needed. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Then to me, that's a sign of weak storytelling. But we've already determined that they're not very strong in terms of the world building because you keep finding faults with <laughs> how they've done everything. Spy stories, I feel like you need a stronger world building for a spy story, especially when it's a fictional spy story. Like if you look at a Western movie, half the time when you get a spy story, it's dropped somewhere in between 1950 and 1990. Mm, which because... we talked about during the Spy Family episode. Yeah, because... That's when spies happen. That's when spies happen. I mean, yeah. you can put them during wars or whatever. But again, wars have very strong one side or the other. And it's the actual world. So people either know or can look up what the political tensions were at the time. Mm. You never have to really think about what James Bond's doing because the Soviets are the Soviets. And all they have to do is say a country name, Afghanistan, Korea, Viet you know, wherever, Cuba. And you kind of already know what's going on because there were actual political tensions going on. But when it's fictional and you're trying to create those, you either have to remain vague enough that you can just say we have country A and country B doing spy shit, or you have to be consistent so that it makes sense. And I felt that the political tensions they created that the spies were supposedly helping with didn't make sense. Hmm. And so that was a problem that I had in that I'm sitting there trying to figure out why would this person actually be doing this though? I think they gave good personal explanations for everybody's reasons i don't think like that was my issue because the big baddie is the duke of normandy he doesn't really do anything though <laughs> he does stuff in the first in the first half of the season yeah but he, why i because he's the baddie why but he's why, drawn that way i obviously. guess but why is he supporting the royalty why is, there's i don't know it just it was just weird to me and so he because, had lack of motivation yes yeah no i, I get that and so but it also when you get your big political twist at the end comes out of nowhere and it doesn't make sense like, what oh wait wait oh the big political twist the big at the political end. twist okay at the end. Not, no, not, not the not, other not, twist not I the think. twist the twist that came out the the narrative twist was really good yes really really good and i re i think it's perfectly done the political twist regarding the commonwealth mm -hmm. spy master just no, happens. no, I agree. That doesn't make sense. The, yeah, the, the entire last two episodes are fun and action-filled, and they make absolutely no sense whatsoever, and they don't actually end. Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, it's funny because I remember I was watching it with you, and I was thinking, you know, I don't actually remember anything after the big twist. I remember the big twist stuck in my mind for years, and that's what made me think, oh, this series is really good and you should watch it. But I didn't remember anything after that because <laughs> I guess there was nothing memorable about it. Which is unfortunate because it is a really good show and I have so much fun watching it. I, I had a lot of fun watching it. Like, we just talked about Spy Family. Mm. And I think between the two of them, I enjoyed this a lot more than Spy Family. Yes. Me too. But the ending was just, <laughs> like, you're expecting an explosion and you get, yeah, a wet fart. Mm. It it was bad. I think one, one of the issues as well, because even though it's really good fun... I think the animation is fantastic and the music is fantastic. But Both really good. The music also heavily has a lot of Calafina 
who some people might know from Kado no Kyokai. Um, but the music's really good. The animation's really good. I love the characters, but they are, which I didn't notice the first time watching it, but I noticed it this time. They're really, really shit at being spies. I mean, They're... you have a bunch of mid-teenage girls being spies. Yeah. And one of them is the princess of a nation. I mean, them actually pretending to be people is fine, but they too often they talk about plans in the open. They like take off disguises in the middle of the street where everybody's watching them. They their cover is that they're schoolgirls and they just randomly skip school for a week on end. Yeah, as the princess of the nation. Yeah, they've they Who... say at other times they've got like. The Duke's men watching over her, or I guess the Duke's women watching over her in school, and yet he never gets told that she just goes missing for a week on yeah. end. Like there's a point where they all get a job in a f- in like a factory, and the princess joins them, and it's like surely people would realize there's something going on here. <laughs> like they're really, really bad at being spies. Yeah, but for narrative's sake, I can see why they did what they did in order to kind of create the story for the episode. Yeah, I'm. Most of the things you said about them being crap about being spies, I don't care much about. I actually cared about that more than the uh, the story weaknesses. Uh, <laughs> and I, I guess though, so it kind of comes back to you know I was saying like James Bond. Yeah. James Bond, most his most famous catchphrase is telling people who he is. Because he don't give no fuck. Exactly, but you know he's he's kind of a shit spy. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially because like all the people he sleep with he sleeps with ends up getting assassinated not all of them i think halle berry survived woo that was one of the modern ones <laughs> <laughs> christmas jones survived i don't know who that is anyway uh we're getting on the <laughs> but that's like two out of a hundred <laughs> i know if we went through the list more of that survived mm-hmm. and some got dipped in gold but you know whatever what i thought she just painted gold and then she suffocated well yes that did okay and one got painted with oil well i think she actually got dipped in oil i don't remember anyway <laughs> What I guess what I'm saying is that on some level... Being a shit spy isn't the end of the world. It, it's like it's like movies about ninjas, right? Mm. No movie about a ninja or incredibly popular anime slash manga about a ninja accurately portrays what a ninja would actually do. They who will not be named. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's massive air quotes going on on this side of your headphones. It's about ninjas. This is about spies. And so you use the spy trappings for what is the social conscience of a spy without having to do everything that a spy would do. So kind of like capturing the social consciousness of Europeans without actually showing you what Europeans would do. But this is about Britain. True. They're not Europeans. (laughs) Way to rub it in. (laughs) Wow, straight for the heart. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was a... That was a low blow. Still technically part of the continent, geographically. You're an island. You're cut off from the continent. No, I mean, like, how America's part of North America and South America. Like, you've got Brazil and Chile are all South America, and then you have, like, the UK and France and all that. It's part of the Europe bit of the world. Okay. If it makes you feel better. It's like saying Africa's a country when it's not a country. It's a... It's an unexplored continent. It's not an... What? This this show was in the late 1800s. It's totally unexplored. I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking about real real life. Do you know what Denmark is doing in Africa at this time period in the show? 
What are you talking about? People are losing their hands. What? Deepest unexplored Africa was not a joke. No, sorry, we're getting off the subject. <laughs> I am so confused. <laughs> Stop using your history nerdism on me. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I was trying to talk about geography and you start talking about history. We're not even talking about anime anymore. You're just confusing me. And then you're rude about my home country. So I ripped on the anime quite a bit. You ripped on me quite a bit. It's a pastime. there was quite a bit that i liked you were mentioning the music the animation all sorts of the characters themselves all sorts of good things in there and of the quick mental jog main five they're all fun characters and they're all distinctly Mm -hmm. different characters and i enjoyed that even the one that i would say is closest to your stereotypical female anime character and i know that would probably Get some raised eyebrows. Angie? I was say Beatrice. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I guess. Even she fits in really well with the world and has her own strengths and her own weaknesses Mm. and a really strong, defined character. Mm, Like, when you see her in a scene, you know what she's going to do, and she does it. And it's not because it's predictable. It's because they've told you who she is as a person, and then they let her act that way. Mm, mm, mm. And I feel like they do that with all the characters really well. Mm -hmm. And that... If you had five people just playing as them, like you get the voice actresses in a room and you're just saying you're these characters and you let them riff for a while, it would all be in character. It would work really well. Because it's believable. It's believable. And they're all distinct. Yes. And they, and like I said, I think earlier in the episode, they all have, they make their motivations clear. Yes. Which helps a lot. Yes. And then they stick to them. They don't just randomly change what they're doing depending on what the plot demands that they do, Mm -mm. which I think works really well. If only every show could do that. (laughs) (laughs) If only. I do have to wonder, though, if it's... So we've we've been watching a lot more anime recently, and we've definitely noticed a varying degree in quality of certain shows. Mm. And I find that ones that are based on light novels, especially isekai, and it's not just because the isekai trope is horribly played out, but I feel like the animation and the set design is just lower quality in general. Yeah. I wonder, though, how much of that is because they know they've already got fans of the show. Yes. And so they don't have to do as much work. Exactly. And Princess Principle is an original anime. Yes. So they had to work extra hard in order to hook people to get them into the fandom. Yes. And I think that plays to its strength. And I think that's also what I really liked, I mean, I said before about um, Deno Coil, is it? it's strong because it's an original anime. And I feel like it has more of a complete story. I mean, I guess in Princess Principle's case, it has more of a a series of complete stories broken up into 13 episodes. Yeah, Deno Coil also had the second season. Hmm. And I feel that it still didn't know how it wanted to end and just kind of did at the end. I feel this one had a worse ending. I think this one left itself open to having a second season a little more. Yes. Whereas Deno Coil ended. It's done. It's finished. Yes, but Deno Coil had two seasons. Yes. This one had one. True. And unfortunately, this one hasn't gotten a second season. No, it hasn't. I feel like I may have heard some rumblings, but yeah, no, it hasn't, unfortunately. Shame. I know. So this is going to go against one of the things that I've been ragging on it for the entire time. What? But one of the things that I did really like when we're comparing it to more modern shows based on light novels is modern shows based on light novels love to info dump on you. 
Like they'll just oh, take a pause from the God, story yeah. and just kind of have That's... some narrator character ramble on for a while about something that maybe was tangentially related to what happened on screen, but most of it doesn't matter. Yeah. And the problem with that is that because it's based on a light novel where they have pages where they can just ramble on and because they, light... shouldn't, they shouldn't do it in the book either. They shouldn't, but because modern light novels are written by randos on the internet, they have no editors to tell them this is a weak story and this is rubbish and you should change everything. Or at least just stop repeating yourself. But I have issues. <laughs> I have issues with light novels and with the anime, like you say, just going, I'm going to tell you about the world and this and it's like tell, don't show. And I really enjoy that this show didn't do that. It showed, it didn't tell. But And so I, I guess what I'm saying is that goes against me saying, you know, I wish I knew more about the world. But what was told about the world other than the opening scene where it just shows you a picture of giant battleships and says, Britain's got cool airships, sucks to be you if you're not Britain, Royalist Britain. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, they didn't really just info dump on you, which was nice. It was all shown, not told. And that is, it needs to be done more. Mm, yes. And so when you get a show that does that it just feels good yeah and so i want to give this show props for that speaking of props the cars the cars the cars the airships the airships the city the city itself the city itself gorgeous the the ending with there's a cathedral and the amount of detail they put into that thing is amazing i was slightly confused by the cathedral was it built into the wall that's supposed to be separating the two sides? It seemed to be. Because they drove along the wall to get to it. <laughs> yeah, it did, it did seem to be. That was that was probably a little impractical. That was kind of weird. Yeah. But it was very pretty. It was. Like, you could... Okay, so we watched... Um, oh, Apothecary... Again, based bookworm? on a light novel. Yes, Bookworm. That's it. Yes, Bookworm. Ascension of a Bookworm. Yes, that's the one. That's the one. I was thinking Apothecary's Apprentice... It's not that one. No. Um, yeah, we, we watched Ascension of a Bookworm and you dropped it after a few episodes. I did. But one of the issues you had, which I agree with, is the city design was really crap. The city was absolutely wretched. It looked, Just horrible. It looked like you had a beginner who went into Minecraft and built like a square house with windows and those were all the houses. And they just copy pasted it for an entire city. Yes. Yeah. It was awful. It was garbage. And it made absolutely no sense for the world. And the world itself made absolutely no sense. Mm -hmm. And I could rail on that show for longer, but I didn't watch it that much because it was crap. Oh, yeah, no. Don't at me. <laughs> so. I watched the rest of it, and I actually quite enjoyed it. But, you know, I 100% agree that the design was awful, which is why they thought I thought the design of London and the design of the city in this one was so good. The design of London was amazing. I mean, they clearly referenced, like, pictures of pubs and pictures of London and... Because yeah. they had the architecture really, really nicely done. When they, there's an episode where they go to a pub. Actually, it, they go to a couple pubs. But there's this one episode yeah. specific where there's a key part of the episode around a pub. And I'm pretty sure I've been in there. <laughs> yeah. It looks like every other pub in the UK. You know, there's two types of pubs in the UK. One that looks like that. And one looks like someone's house that was built in the late 1600s and was never changed. And this was mm. the first type. This mm. was the old London pub. It's a public house. Yes. Yeah. Well, that'd be the second type. Anyway. And they're all called the Red Lion. <laughs> yeah. Or the Crown. Actually, it kind of reminds me Arms. of, um, oh, the, oh, it's so memorable. I forgot the name of it. Lovely. Did we, did we actually end up talking about the new Ghibli movie? Oh, it was horrible. Earwig. Earwig. That's it. Um, no, yeah, the, the, the show itself was the worst movie I've ever seen. 
Actually, second worst movie I've ever seen. But they did a great job at making it feel like England. They did. Oh my God. They totally made it feel like England. It was amazing. They did such a good job. Yeah. And I feel like they did some. They did something similar with Princess Principle. Ooh. The one time they Googled correctly and didn't base it in France. And on that, <laughs> steampunk has become a meme. Put some cocks on it. Exactly, and call right? It steampunk. Exactly. <laughs> they have a Christmas tree in the episode no, that no, just no, no, has no. cocks on it. it that, but that's the only time they do it. Yes, yes, that's, that's true. Like, that's like, true. When you look at old steampunk, or even if you look at some like the better movies, like Steam Boy, I thought did really well. It really fits in the idea of we want to make real mechanical items that happen to run on steam. Mm-hmm. And that was the old idea. And then slowly it just became more and more brass cogs on everything until you'd see top hats with brass cogs yeah. stuck on them and it also... became more of an aesthetic rather than a, a world device and because i'm just pissing people off today a crappy aesthetic <laughs> i like it i like it when it looks functional which is why i like this show <laughs> <laughs> no it did it this, don't, yeah it does look like show is a steampunk world but it's a functional steampunk mm. world the mm-hmm. as you said the only time they just randomly stuck cogs on things was a christmas tree mm. in one episode but everything else really lived up to that. And I've always kind of liked Victorian Mm sci-fi, which is what steampunk was called before it became a meme, kind of. Mm -hmm. And so when you make a show that's Victorian sci-fi and done well, like the only thing, I think the only thing we didn't see throughout the whole show was like a proper Bobby running around. That's true. We didn't see any Bobbies. We didn't see any Bobbies. I guess because everybody is more like the royal soldiers with the red jackets. Yes. Yeah, you're right. We didn't see any officers. I mean, the the one thing it's like missing is the blue hat, the blue coat, mm. blowing a whistle and running after someone with a truncheon. I guess in that era it would be the uh, like black double bre- double breasted cape, though with like shoulder length one kind of looks like sure, um, yeah. Sherlock, but black. Yeah, because yeah, it's cold and they have the thick gloves. Yeah, but uh, it was actually you know what visually I... inspiring. Like it made me just want like. I used to play a tabletop game that was all about Victorian sci-fi, and it made me just go, wow, I want to play that again or something. You know, I, it's really weird hearing you say that, because I don't think I've ever heard anyone call it Victorian sci-fi. Really? It's always been steampunk for me. VSF. You've never seen... No. It's a real... Fine. How, how old is this term? Can I can I quickly Google this? Go ahead. Google <laughs> no. it. No, Google I'm not. It. I'm not. I'm not. I just know it's old and you're old, and I love you. You're rude to me. <laughs> yeah, but you're rude back, so it's fine. <laughs> Are you Googling it? I'm Googling it. Okay. You can ramble on about something. Let me figure out what's going on here. Okay, so I've Googled it. Okay. And it doesn't have an exact time for the term, but it does. There's all sorts of good things. Victorian science fiction reading lists, uh, eight sci-fi books that channel a Victorian era. Yeah, but when? I'm assuming it was written during the Victorian period because most of these books are... Oh, I see. Literally science fiction written in Victorian England. Yeah, and so when they were thinking of the future, Uh... they had to base it on what they had. They didn't know they were going to have gasoline or anything like that so you know that's when you get things like uh 20,000 leagues under the sea mm-hmm. and all of those old stories Jules Verne yeah that makes sense only now it's kind of swapped on its head where modern day is imagining Victorian London if they had modern technology but but run on steam. run on steam I need to get back into steampunk you know it'd be funny what a crossover where you have these people running around London and then you get the crew from um what's that horrible movie the extraordinary of... gentleman. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they'd fit right in. They would, yeah. That was a good movie. Well, it was one of those. It good, was a bad fun movies. movie. That was a fun movie. Yeah. So all in all, even though um, we ripped at a new one, 
highly recommend Princess Principle. I would agree. I would recommend this for people who are looking for something fun to sit down and watch, but don't think about the world too seriously because it falls apart. Yeah. Don't be a history nerd like Wes. Quiet you. Just full stop. Just don't be a history nerd like Wes. Quiet you. <laughs> you can't shut me up. I have a, I have a microphone. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and turn that mic down. No. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never silence me. <laughs> the truth will not be silenced. <laughs> Anyway, I'm pretty, sh- yeah, highly recommend this show. <laughs> yes, I would agree to that. I'm really glad I made you watch it. I'm glad you made me watch it too, actually. Yay! I don't say that about everything you show me, but I will say it about this. Yay, I'll take it! <laughs> <laughs> well, that was another episode of Recommendations for My Talk with Spouse. I was Jen. I was Wesley. You can find us on Twitter at Annie Bros Creative. You can find us on our website at www.annabrosecreative.com. Uh, feel free to leave us a comment if you think someone would also, someone else would also be interested in Princess Principle and like steampunk and stuff. Then feel free to share this episode with them. That'll be cool. If you've seen it and you have your own opinion that either agrees or disagrees with us, go ahead and add us on Twitter or leave a comment on our website. Yeah, I'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.